The world can't help but pay attention to Africa's entertainers. We do it like nobody else can. My name is Vimbai Mutimiri Ekpenyong, and I'm here to bring you access to the continent's biggest celebrities. From music superstars to iconic actors to the most well-known African names, you can hear them all on The A-List with Vimbai every single Thursday at 6.30 p.m. only on ZFM Stereo. Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first edition of the A-List with Vimbai, right here on ZFM Stereo. My name is Vimbai Mutiniri Epenyong, but you can just call me the Vimbai. We keep it very informal here. And I'm really looking forward to taking you through the African continent via entertainment airlines. That'll be every single Thursday right here on ZFM Stereo at 6.30 p.m. Super exciting. We're not going to waste any time. We're going to get straight into the juiciest scoop from around Africa right now. And uh, let's kick it off with this one. Now, imagine dropping your first hit song about hopping in your imaginary Maserati and then getting over 30 million views from it and then actually getting a call from the luxury Italian car brand Maserati themselves to sign you up for a huge global deal. Well, that's the fairy tale that is Nigerian singer Olakira's life right about now. So this is the first deal the Italian company has ever made with an African artist, period. Now, isn't that epic? So can we give the man a slow clap, please? Very slow clap for the man. Now, over to South Africa via Uganda where socialite and businesswoman Zari has son has told all y'all nosy gossip lovers to respect yourselves okay you heard that respect yourself zari who became widely known across africa during her relationship with diamond platinums was spotted just a few days ago with an unknown gentleman so obviously speculators started to speculate you know how that goes however she's posted and she's told her followers to calm down apparently the man is just a friend we've heard that one before haven't we well you never know not everything is about njolo guys now let's Fly to Ghana, where artist King Promise and Chance the Rapper have a collabo in the works. So Chance the Rapper was recently in Accra and reached out to the Abena hitmaker while he was in the city. So apparently they hooked up immediately and went straight into studio that same day. So they're still pretty mum about when the track will be released, but King Promise has been swooning about working with one of his favorite artists. Isn't that a cute story? Now last but definitely not least, Valentine's is coming. <laughs> Where's your girlfriend? That's what's on your mind, right? <clears throat> it's a different story, yo, for a different guy. Now, do you remember the popular social media star best known for oppressing your faves with his expensive lifestyle, everything flashy, flashy all the time? Hush Puppy. Remember him? He's been missing off your feed, right? Yeah, my boy is in prison. So he'll be facing the courts to know his fate after pleading guilty to a number of charges, including fraud and money laundering on Valentine's Day, y'all. Bruh, the system has no sympathy whatsoever. Anyway, Hush Puppy risks 20 years imprisonment, a three-year period of supervised release, a fine of 500,000 US dollars, or twice the gross gain or gross loss resulting from his offense. Now, ask yourselves, over there in the back, was stunting for the gram really worth it? I'll leave that for you to decide. Now that's a wrap on some of the trending conversations across Africa. It's time to connect with a man who owns a good chunk of real estate in the headlines himself. We have Nollywood's most talked about bad boy, Jim Ike, dishing the scoop on his latest project. It's the A-List with Mumbai, exclusive to ZFM Stereo. Keep it locked. Okay, Jim Ike, it's such a pleasure to have you on ZFM. Zimbabwe is listening. Zimbabwe is excited to connect with you. I think this is the first time you're engaging with Zimbabwean media, right? Um, not exactly. Um, there's a gentleman that we worked with in Zimbabwe called, um, he's the CEO of Afrobeat. Okay. Afrobeat or something. Like yeah, so um, I was ambassador for that entity for about two years. 
Oh, nice. So we, yeah, yeah David, you and I were uh, ambassadors for that entity. I mean, we just uh, ended our contract, um, I think, two years ago, three years ago, I'm not sure. But I visited Zimbabwe. Um, I was there for um, five days, and, you know, I had a couple of media runs mm-hmm. to promote um, one of the things. So, yeah, it's um, summer first rodeo with, with Zimbabwe fans. Really. Oh, I love that. So what was your um, the highlight of your Zimbabwean trip? Is there anything that stands out for you? Yeah, the hospitality of the people, um, the fact that um, I was taken aback as to how conversant they are with my journey, my, my personal life, as well as my career, uh, because I love everywhere we went. Mm-hmm. We actually documented um, a whole lot of what happened there. Um, I mean, the crowds were there to greet us at every turn, um, because Afribet is um, supposedly the biggest um, um, gaming platform in East Africa, at least one of the biggest. So we um, we had um, we had to go to a lot of their locations, including some in the inner provinces. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, people that uh, I really didn't think uh, were very conversant with uh, my line of work and um, you know other things that I do, personal stuff. Mm-hmm. They were you know excited. So I think that was highlight um, as well as the food. And you know, um, I was also quite taken aback with a sort of um, multicultural ambience of, um, of Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. You know, such a multiracial community in there, and uh, you know, everybody you know functioned and you know and played their part in the sense um, socioeconomic politically so mm-hmm. it was quite a how do I say an education for me and op- eye-opening education so it's, it's a very interesting land to visit and you know Jim I love that you spoke about you know going into all sorts of different areas and almost being surprised at the fact at, at how well people knew about you and, and that takes me back to the first time I met you uh, I was in Accra in Ghana and uh, your producer contacted me to, to be a part of uh, a little clip on your reality show so I don't know if you remember this we went to the market in Accra and I was literally taken aback I was overwhelmed because I couldn't believe the moment you got out of the car word got out that Jim Ike was stepping out and the whole market stopped everybody was running out of their stores it, it was chaotic 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 and for me uh, I'll never forget that experience because that's when I really truly understood the power of Nollywood or should I rather say the, the power of that um, that particular era of Nollywood um, so names like yours, several other names come to mind when we, we, we talk about that era. Um, so, you know, were you guys, obviously now the continent has opened up, you've been able to travel and access a lot of your fans uh, across African borders, but at the time you embarked on this journey and, uh, you know, you started acting and you started growing your persona, did you ever think it would go beyond Nigeria or, or was it, it was it just the cool thing to do in Nigeria at the time? Yeah, well, like every starting point, uh, it's the same. Um, it's always about resilience and perseverance and having to um, endure the odds that come with, you know, chasing um, your dreams and aspirations. Um, there's no really strong social media um, play at that time. Um, uh, the ecosystem was still in its early stages of discovery and, you know, and use. So. It was mostly um, stuff that we had to do organically. You know, you had to know the fans one-on-one. They had to either feel your work or they didn't. Um, they had to appreciate um, your, your, what you stand for, the ideologies that drive you. So it was a more, how do I say, direct dealership with your consumer base and uh, the audiences um, across different divides and board. So it, it was a very important time. It was a time that people were still in touch with reality in a sense. Mm. <laughs> um, as opposed to, um, now I'm not one to criticize this um, era, but um, I think there was a far more direct dealership with um, sentiments and people were taking at face value for what they stood for. Um, 
having said that, evolution up until now, you know, it's been quite pleasing as well. I mean, one can virtually become famous seemingly overnight without, you know, physical presence mm. or anything, um, you know, that is tangible to, to hold on to. Um, you can't begrudge that. You can only appreciate times and evolution, how things have gone. I remember when we came on board as well, um, you know, there was um, a certain transition from the DVD to this uh, VCD um, era. Uh, and then um, I think also different doors in our tier were being opened. And people thought, oh, maybe we didn't work hard enough, we didn't deserve what we're earning or what came to us. Um, so that narrative again has changed hands into a different generation where that argument could be held sway. But um, nevertheless, it's, it's what comes with times, it's what comes with evolution, it's what comes with change. And um, I've always been a proponent of change. So with each time I evolved and accepted um, what was on ground and learned to survive and even thrive on it. And that's been, I think, the notice of, um, of my growth. Now let's let's focus on evolution because one thing about your evolution is that even as the eras changed, the seasons changed, the trends changed, um, there have been a lot of things about you that have been consistent. So you've been able to adapt to what was current and relevant at the time, but you've always been able to sort of put one uh, put one face forward, and there's always been an air of mystery with regards to what really happens behind the scenes in Jimike's life. Uh, is that an intentional decision you made from day one, or you know, is it something that you found became necessary as you grew in your journey? The thing was, um, at first, it wasn't intentional. There was nothing deliberate about. It. I was strategic. Don't get me wrong. Um, I approached a lot of things with very deliberate intellectual intent. Um, the wisdom came later. The wisdom came with pacing. The wisdom came with understanding the psyche of the people I was dealing with. And I think the most um, apt analogy is um, that of now consider yourself an avid reader, you know, and um, you have a habit of visiting the bookstore constantly. And um, there's a particular book you find quite interesting, at least you find the first volume very interesting. And the chances of you picking up the same book twice after I read it entirely, it's almost zero. Am I correct? Yep. Yep. Okay, well, um, how about if I were to offer, as an author, different volumes of that same book? Mm. And the chances you find the first volume interesting, the chances of you returning to the bookstore to check out this same book is extremely high. Am I correct? Yeah, that's right. Well, that analogy is me. Yeah. You know, um, I've never, um, I, I knew at some point that the algorithm to fame, staying relevant and persevering in this journey is not to give everything at once and that is my argument with social media and the virtual theme where everything is seen from top to bottom in no time and um it goes without saying that the ones that shine the brightest are the ones that burn out fastest you know so um it's never been a pace for me it's never been a sprint for me it's a marathon and in marathons you pace yourself you endure you you, you grow resilient to the times and elements around you and you also research and understand your competitors, mm. your colleagues, and you and even furthermore the psyche of the people that you offer your, your trade to, you know, mm. your art form to. How do you understand them? What bores them? You know, how, how, do you, how do they stay relevant in your life? You know, everybody is so fixated on staying relevant. They misunderstand the concept of making people relevant in your life. Wow. 
you know. I feel like this is a mentorship session. Go on, <laughs> school us. <laughs> Everybody's so fixated on spending resources on staying relevant and being seen. I adverse it. I spend resources on not being seen and not being heard. You know, so um. I just thought the best way, um, it's always been um, the only way I, I created diverse platforms that will keep me entertained, keep me fruitful, keep me on my journey. Um, I'm a full-fledged businessman, as you know, um, my entrepreneur is almost, um, it, it calls my, entrepreneur, uh, my entertainment uh, and value. So it, it goes without saying that this uh, it's, it's a parallel life of sorts, an alternative universe you have to create for yourself. So that you stay relevant, people out there stay relevant to you, mm-hmm. and not you to them. You understand? Mm-hmm. Once people, you can create enough alternative um, relevance in different diverse fields, you will not have to worry about spreading yourself too thin or one. Mm-hmm. You know. So that is what I do. I um, four or five years now. I really didn't have anything to say. I was busy, busy building my logistic company, building my real estate company, forging new alliances developing my mind, attending conferences, trying to get my MBA, you know, raising my sons. I My hands were full. I did not need to be an actor or producer and it's going to produce at that point. Mm-hmm. I just needed to get my financial discipline straight, get my financial literacy at, at the utmost, understand my union, understand my partnership, not only personally, but otherwise professionally. And, you know, understand to what weighs me down. So it's a journey of self-discovery at every point in time. And when I was ready, um, of course, you know that when there's benefit of, of um, supply, demand heightens. Yeah. So I came and I, I did what I do best. And I know the broad back coming, brought my book, brought so many other platforms um, to, to bear. And it was easy for people to latch it up because I'm not really available. I'm not accessible. I, I, I don't do, I don't dwell in the public um, domain mm-hmm. that much. So any. People understand that the natural cause is that I have something to say. And uh, you know, having read uh, the just uh, the, I believe it was the forward the, or to your book, um, you genuinely have a lot to say. Now, already in this discussion, I, and I knew that you know before I. I knew that you're an extremely cerebral person, which is something that a lot of people don't get to experience of you, uh, because, like you said, you are putting, you're not, you're not playing all your balls at once, you know. So you gave us the the actor, you gave us a bit of the bad boy, you gave us a bit of a reality star, you gave us a bit of the executive producer, uh, and you know, then we saw, we saw your first, uh, that was your directing debut, right, with bad comments. Uh, I didn't direct bad comments. Okay. I was just in one day that. Yeah, I was executive producer of Your EP on, on bad comments, and then now uh, the big one, which is the book. And, uh, you know, the story is fascinating because I think we all went through something. We all went through some sort of personal shift uh, during, especially at the very onset of COVID with the lockdowns and depending on where you were at the time and what your environment was, what your situation was, it brought out so many different things and different people. Um, so, I, I, and just reading, first of all, the way you write is out of this world. Uh, I, you know, you're an architect with words. Um, and you expressed so many colorful, colorful thoughts and ideas and concepts. Um, tell me, what do you want people to take away from your latest offering, which is your book? I think chiefly they need to understand that, um, like you said, um, I come with different shades. I like to understand 
that um, my debt is endless. Um, it's not a ghost reading content. <laughs> they need to understand that. I know it is the power of our establishment that nobody sits down to. But no, if, if you read it, I've been a personal friend of yours, so I think you understand. You know, even if it's you know, selling the customers, how I think, how I move, how I craft my words very carefully when I speak. Um, know that I wrote that book. Um, every word um, was an, an extension of my expression and my, you uh, know current situation at that time. Um, it was a time of uncertainty in the world. Um, people didn't understand um, what was going on. People didn't understand the next move to be made. Even the most brilliant of, of, of us didn't understand how to read that situation at that time. Mine was even more perilous than at that time because um, um, I had my son with me. I was rewarding him for just being an excellent kid in school. And I was taken to Disney Paris um, to hang out with him, bond with him, you know, just chill with my man. And, and the world closed around us. Um, it was just um, a parent's naivety. Um, I think if it was um, personally, I wouldn't have made that mistake. But you know, he really wanted to hang out, mm-hmm. and um, I knew what was. You just wanted to spoil a little man a little bit. Guy, you know. So I, and his fantasy was, hey, this in Paris, hey, let, let's go. I knew the world was shutting down. I thought there were voices in my ears. They were like, man, you can't do this at this point. But you know, I don't listen. I, he's, he's a rebel. <laughs> he's a rebel. You can't help it, right? <laughs> I was like, hey, what's the worst that can happen? That's what he said. I said, okay, you're, you're right. What's the worst that can happen? You're with your old man anyway. So, I mean, well, how bad can he get? So we, we rolled out, stopped in Amsterdam, um, came through to Paris. We have three more European cities to go. And boom, the wall shut down. I tried to rush to London to take him to my sister, to his cousins, so that I can figure things out. England shut down. I said, okay, you know, you've never been to Nigeria. Maybe this is our chance. Let's find a direct flight and fly back home. And then you, you hang out with your aunties and I meet your grandpa. And boom, Nigeria shut down. <laughs> so next um, hoteliers in Paris were kicking, you know, they were kicking guests out. You know, there was a new law that, you know, you know, to a whole, uh, uh, no, go to the embassies and do a ticket. They give us a 48 ultimatum to leave our room. So the only call of action was, um, you know, I, I met some, uh, you know, I contacted the embassy. The ambassador was very helpful. They, they, they got me um, in a cute little house by the pond, by this pond um, the, in, the, uh, in France, in, uh, in, in the south of France. So we moved there. And by all intents and purposes, I thought this was going to be, at the very worst, a one-month sojourn, you know? So yeah, I, I thought, well. okay, <laughs> love for bones, you know, sit this one out, you know, bond with my dude. It turned out to be six months, almost five and a half months, actually. You know? And... I was beside myself with worries. I and I think it was that time I saw a different part of him. And there were times where um, the, the, the the parental role was switched. Seriously, it was the one speaking words of strength in my life, and I was the one that wasn't coping too well. I'm a man that's used to you know being my my mind is used to being on the move, used to executing things. Um, I'm I'm a loner basically. Um, I'm I'm comfortable with the loosomeness that comes by doing things alone. I'm, I'm extremely comfortable with that. But um, this was a different scenario. This was forced. This was imposed, and that that set the pace totally differently. You know, so I was I was the one struggling, and he was the one thriving. Uh, how <laughs> yeah, old is he? Was, 
A whole gym might being run by a five-year-old. I love it. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was making friends and, you know, introducing me to neighbors and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he had a couple of dogs that he made friends with. They used to come by the pond. And, and you know, uh, and that part, I think they were rebels like us too. They didn't want to stay indoors and just uh, deal with whatever it was, you know, before we were hanging out, you know, around certain places. And, you know, I, I at some point I decided, what am I going to do with this time? Um, I've always wanted to author a book. I always wanted to pen a book. I didn't know. I didn't want to write an autobiography. I didn't want. I think the time wasn't right for it. I, I wanted when I was 65 when I lived my life to the fullest and created this empire, not only physically but mentally. I would be able to write about a wealth of experience that people from different kinds of life can, you know, can ingest and take something away from. I felt um, I wasn't in that place yet. But where I knew I've always been, maybe for the last five years, was a place to empower others intellectually, mentally, psychologically. And I knew that my my experience, my journey, the different characters, other characters I've met, my my chosen profession, and the boldness I've always, um, you know, approached different circumstances, the unorthodox ways that I perceive things, the lopsided perception I have of the world, um, my very uncommon, um, uh, unconventional um, bonds with different um, women of different walks of life, different men from different walks of life. I just knew that it was time to write that book. And so the gift in the odds is discovering your gift at the different odd, you know, um, Rubicon of your life. That is the message for you to rise up, you know, and become the best version of yourself, dig deep into into your being and pull out that resource that will take you to the next realm. It is the only way to ascend and move forward. Okay. And and it is in the difficulties, it's in the strives, it's in the strives, mm-hmm. it's in as we and how to scale it, you know. So it's a um, very strong book. It's a very potent book. It's a book that's created for the mind. Um, it's not for everyone, I dare say, mm-hmm. but um, it's a book that kind of person, a peculiar journey that wants very peculiar goals. And this is only volume one, so you, you have a series of these coming out. I wrote 15. Oh, okay, you've written all of them already. All written. That's, that, that's the point. I've written every one of this book. I, will, I wrote... I'm, that became my assistant. So what what we do? I mean, there was no school. I mean, I I, I started home tutoring him. Mm-hmm. So yes, I became the um, teacher as well. So I was also the principal. In <laughs> I would tutor him on different subjects. Um, I, I would research extensively on different subjects because I had to catch up with elementary school again. So I would make calls to his mom, to to friends. You know, do homework. I would put up homework for him. I think. Um, when he got back to conventional school after our timeout, they thought it was a little more advanced for his class. So I did a great job. Oh, you so, okay? You killed it. You killed it. <laughs> they thought, okay, you know what? We need to shoot him a step further. He's probably, I mean, he can't hang with. I mean, something happened in the six. I mean, he's always been ahead, but now it's really way ahead. There's no point leaving him here anymore. So that is he's one class ahead right now. So that's part of what we did there. He would watch TV till pretty late. Just when he starts getting sleep, he comes to wake me up. I doze off right in the middle of it. I put him to bed, I work. I walk early in the morning, very early. I usually walk till about, I don't know, 5, 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. I go to sleep, wakes up, and then we have breakfast, and he put, and I go back to bed. And he wakes me up in the afternoon to start the research and do, you know, it, it was our routine. It was our thing. Five 
15, um, um, I wrote 15 volumes of that book. So I have material for release every other month, every other couple of months for two years. And this one drops first week of February. Yes, this is the one usually first week of February, but the pre-orders have started already. People are, you know, beginning to buy it already. Yeah. Um, once you hit my bio, you can go straight to pre-order and, and, and then, you know, you get the first volume. Um, this one is walking through walls, like I said, it's just persevering in your life against situations you make in your life. But we also, I wrote about my peculiar perception um, of friendship, of love, of grief, I have to deal with grief. I have dealt with crushing excruciating gift that nearly took my life. When I lost my mom, I have dealt with the grief of losing a best friend. Mm-hmm. I have dealt with the grief of losing a child. Yeah, I um, I've dealt at, at eight months, and um, that that I mean, I bonded with this child, loved this child, you know, prayed for this child, spoken affirmations every morning to this child, and I woke up one day, and you know, it was a stillbirth, and and he nearly broke me, but you know, I I, I dealt with it, so I insisted on seeing this child at eight months after when it was stillbirth. They told me it was necessary. I said no. I want this imprinted. I want it imprinted on my mind, on my mental archives for the rest of my life. It's supposed to, there's the message here, there's something here. That's what my book is about. Mm-hmm. Never be afraid of odds, there's your fear. You know, you know, I could easily have walked away from the hospital, but I couldn't have loved a child that much, that deeply, without, you know, sending her on a journey, saying goodbye properly, having some sort of closure. Yeah. I need to help me for life if I didn't. So a lot of parents, they tell you, oh, it's a stillbirth, and then you walk away, and you think, okay, you know what? I never really bonded with this child. He doesn't have a name. He doesn't have an entity in my life. Um, no, it's wrong. Um, um, I chose to see that child. I, I sat by her, prayed. I cried my tears. I got up, and I dealt with it in a certain way. And how has that impacted your 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 fatherhood journey so we need to round up but um at the moment i would say maybe you can add more I, I, from this conversation i find that author father uh author is even secondary i find that father is what's coming across as your primary role um in life right now uh how did that experience you know impact where you are now in your journey as a father i'm a man of passion um, i'm driven by passion um, later in life, I added a good dose of wisdom to it, but I've always been doing jump first and ask questions later. I shoot first and then I deal with the situation after. It's always been me. Um, I'm, I'm, I like to think that I've conquered my fear, that I'm fearless. Um, and fatherhood brought a certain do reality for me. Um, I'm foremost a father than, than before anything else. It's, it's a rule that I enjoy implicitly and endlessly. Um, everything that I've done in my life has a beginning and an end. Um, what I do is that I superimpose a need after every end, a need to continue. I superimpose a craving, you know, a, a reason to carry on. That is, I think, that's what I think makes me a little different. The one thing that I've never had to eff- uh, put effort at um, having to recreate a reason to continue with fatherhood, and that's what makes it single in my life. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's one role that God created on earth for you to enjoy seamlessly, selflessly, and um, without reason. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and ask, I mean, 
why do I do this? I mean, it's such a thankless thing, you know, <laughs> sometimes you, you feel so, you know, burdened with it. But um, at that point, that's when you, you look around, you look at the faces of the ones that you love and you understand that there's nothing on earth that will equal, you know, this gift, this, this love that you've been given. And they do give. I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones, so I have um, every reason to be grateful. Uh, I'm excited that we get to experience more of uh, this part of you um, to add to all the other great uh, aspects of your your persona and your personality that you've given us over the years. So this is this is a great start to 2022. Jim, I wish you all the best. Please uh, send our love to your your kids. <laughs> um, and uh, we absolutely can't wait to see uh, how your, you, you know, the role your boy played, his research role, coming to life in, in this book. I, I, that's what I'm going to be focusing uh, on. He, he calls himself a he calls himself deputy author. I love it. <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> yeah, you better uh, cut him his check. Okay. <laughs> I, oh, he owns it, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll, we'll work by the end of the day, Jimmy. You know that. Come on now. Yeah, you're already in the fold. Exactly. They're running. They're running things, man. They're running things. I love yeah, it. Oh. <laughs> all right, Jim. Thank you so much. Wish you a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day, and uh, all the best. Thank you. Likewise, have a good one. All right, yeah. and congrats, big one. And, you know, thank you. Take care of yourself. Speak soon. Thank you. I will do. Take care. Bye bye. Bye The world can't help but pay attention to Africa's entertainers. We do it like nobody else can. My name is Vimbai Mutimiri Ekpenyong and I'm here to bring you access to the continent's biggest celebrities. From music superstars to iconic actors to the most well-known African names, you can hear them all on The A-List with Vimbai every single Thursday at 6.30pm only on ZFM Stereo. See.